0: You are now listening to the Q and E podcast.
1: Is this what you want? Huh? Is
0: this what you want? I'm tuning in again, What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Q and E podcast and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Egar on the other line. Egga tell the people what's good
1: what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the q and e podcast we got a lot coming for y'all today man we're going to talk about uh game six we're going to give our preview on that what we think uh is going to be the outcome are the warriors gonna win it all again or is boston gonna force this to game seven we got some nfl ncaa topics for y'all we got entertainment current events as usual so we got a jam-packed show today
0: Yes, also, we are doing movie and show reviews right now. A show review that we are doing currently is the Miss Marvel. So definitely subscribe to the Q&E podcast, YouTube, and tap in. It has been an excellent show so far. We just uh, got done reviewing episode two. So definitely tap into that. But first, we will be diving into the NBA Finals because they have been exciting. This has been the best finals I've seen, bro, in a long time. In last year's Finals was pretty good, too, though. I'm not going to lie. But this probably is the best final since the 2013 when that Spurs and Heat one went to seven, like that same type of excitement where you don't know how it's gonna fall on any like given night, like night to night it could be the, it could have been the Spurs, it could have been the Heat, and I feel like it's the same thing with this. I'd series. say
1: it's like the it's like the third or fourth. Best finals in the past decade or so because you got the three one comeback with Braun and the Cavs, like
0: that, that was year, a blowout bro. every game, bro. That's why I, I thought about that one, but that was a blowout every game. I'm not gonna I don't get it, bro. Man. When the, they talk the about excitement, that I wasn't tuned into in my
1: seat. Oh, I was tuned in. The fact that every game was an elimination game for the Cavs at that point, and they were just winning and winning. Like I, I can't that's gotta be top two for me. But that heat and uh Spurs series, like you said, that's up there. I think the 2016 Cavs and Warriors series, that's up there. Uh, yeah, this could be like the third or fourth best series within the past 10 years.
0: I think this one up there. Like I said, every game feels like it's going to go down to the wire, and then you start to figure out who's going to win around that six-minute mark. But it always keeps your attention all the way through yeah. uh, for both teams, either whether it's whoever wins with between uh, Boston and Golden State. And just looking at the last couple of games with games four and games five, The Warriors have have really showed how they can win in a multitude of ways. We've seen that magical performance of Steph Curry having 43-10 and in Game 4 and really having the whole squad on his back throughout that whole W. And then we've seen in Game 5 of him not having such a good game. I think he only had like 16, but everybody around him was in double digits. I mean, Gary Payton Jr., Andrew Wiggins, Clay, Poole. It felt like everybody really chipped in with that W. So what have been your best takeaways throughout these last couple of games?
1: My best takeaway is the Warriors can afford to do what the Celtics cannot. The Warriors can afford for their superstars to have an off night and they can still get the W. Steph Curry had one of his worst shooting performances in game five. Made no threes. That has not happened to Steph Curry, I think, in the last six, seven years in a playoff game where he made no three-pointers. So the fact that the true arsenal that he can tap into, he couldn't hit any of those shots and they still find a way um, to win this game by 10 points. Like, with Andrew Wiggins going off, Gary Payton Jr., like you said, and other um prolific role players on this Warriors team, it's showing you the luxury of depth and experience that they have. Even with the younger players, just the, the natural experience that you see they have when it comes to the big lights, they're more suited for that than the Boston Celtics. It seems like if Tatum and Brown do not have monster nights, is really up in the air on if the Celtics can win or not. And we can well, look at the Warriors I don't and really say know it about doesn't that. matter. It doesn't matter if Steph is having an off night or Clay is having an off night. We know the Warriors can still win. But with Boston, how many times is Al Horford having a phenomenal night? How many times is Robert Williams having a phenomenal night? It happens here and there, but not to a consistent basis that I think the Warriors can have it happen.
0: Well, I don't think I would take it that far. Like the Celtics were in both of these games that they ended up losing, but it goes back to the point I made going into the finals of the intangibles were going to be the difference between these two teams. Of the 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 Warriors are just a smarter team. The Celtics, I don't know what it is. When they realize they have something going, it's like they go for they go to that for like a quarter and then they stop going to it in like in like the fourth or some shit like that. It's like in the third quarter of the the game five loss, they were going with like Tatum, Tatum at the top of the key. A lot of ball movement. Jalen Brown was getting off. Smart was hitting shots. Everybody, that's when they started to come back in that third quarter. In the fourth quarter, they stopped doing all of that. Turnovers were all over the place. So I think those things are just the key. Not being smart when you talk about just like attacking certain matchups. And also, just the turnovers. We have been saying that with the, the the Celtics for the past two series. If they do not turn the ball over, they win games. In Game Five, they had eighteen turnovers, I think. In Game, right, in Game 18. Four, it was like sixteen plus. You're not going to win games when you turn a ball over like that, bro. It's just that simple with the the Celtics, and they continue to do it. I Brown, I mean Tatum had a good Game Five. Brown had a good game for, I think everybody chips in, but it's just the intangibles that can lose you games. And we see how for the Warriors, they just have that on their side. And that's why they've been getting the past two W's.
1: I, I just think their role players can step up way better than the, uh than the Boston Celtics. Now, we can't players. say that either because I'm, we seen a game. Saying... One,
0: white, white got off and we seen Horford get off. So we can't say it. when they was up to one, we were saying, Oh, the, the Celtics role players were just up there and now we switching it. I think but, it's an even who, match. Who do
1: you have more confidence in to consistently give you big nights? Jordan Poole or Al Horford?
0: I'm not Jordan confident Poole. in Poole. We just was talking shit about Poole last week. That's what I'm saying. We going to herky-jerky with the no, predictions because no, they up right I'm now saying, in the series.
1: No, I'm saying who can you trust more to give you multiple games in a series like that? The, oh, whether Horford. it's two games in a row or one, one spaced out to three.
0: Horford. <laughs> trust me know, and it's not just when it comes to points I think we're getting fascinated with the points of pool but I'll take Horford's production any given night bro I think we're getting fascinated with the points and how great that game five was for the role players but in the first three games Jordan Poole did not play well even if you had a couple of double digit nights the last couple of games he played way better but Derek White has been playing better than him mostly throughout this finals Al Horford has been playing better than him the Boston role players have been doing their job. It has been at the top where you're saying, like, Tatum isn't giving you enough. He's not attacking certain matchups enough. Oh uh, Brown, he's turning the ball over too much. Tatum's turning the ball over too much. I think the role players for the Celtics have played well. It's just that the turnovers are killing them as a team.
1: I, I think just based off of game five alone, not even looking back into the rest of the series, not saying Marcus Smart can't be your second leading scorer on the team, But the fact that Jalen Brown didn't even crack 20 points is like if your two best players are not clicking on both cylinders, if you're the Boston Celtics, getting late into the series, I feel like it's just going to cause more problems for you as the Golden State Warriors role players start clicking more, start getting more comfortable. I think their role players are just showing up more in the bright lights as opposed to the Celtics from a point standpoint and just from a production standpoint.
0: But once again, I think in Game Five, the Boston Celtics changed their entire defensive scheme because they just started to apply way more pressure to Steph Curry that we've been that we haven't been seeing in the first four games. In the first four games, they were letting Steph Curry beat them, and in two of those four games, he beat them. Actually, in all four of the games, he honestly had thirty plus. He beat them in every game, but everybody else didn't show up. But in Game Five, they were not going to allow Steph Curry to beat them, whether it was traps, whether it was blitzes, where it was uh having being high on the screens like it was just a difference where it allowed other players to get off i feel like they've been guarding tatum and brown the same way where it's just one-on-one but it's just heavy help when they try to drive and i think that kind of goes toward like the weaknesses that we're seeing in tatum too when it comes to shot selection when to iso when not to iso because i've seen a stat recently that said when tatum isos i think he's only scoring like 0.5 points per possession and that shit is awful, bro. So that basically is saying that every time he isos, it's either a turnover or he's not scoring as much as he usually does when he's just in the flow, getting his buckets in the flow out of offense. That shit is terrible, bro. I don't think Tatum has played well this entire series, truthfully. Yeah, he had a big game in the third quarter, but I didn't think he had played well this series, bro. I really don't. And I think that's really another key point that the Warriors are up in this series. If we've been getting a first-team All-NBA Tatum, I think the, the Warriors are losing this series right now. But we're not seeing the Tatum that we've grown accustomed to. Too many turnovers for him and Brown. Because mostly that's where the turnovers are coming from, from those two. And Marcus Smart might kick a couple of turnovers in, but it's really from their two stars. And you cannot win like that, bro. And I think that's when the champion experience, the intangibles, all of that other shit that we love to say about the culture of the Warriors starts to kick in over the Celtics. The Celtics have the talent. The role players are stepping up. But the intangibles with the turnovers and all that extra shit is losing them games, bro. It's losing them games.
1: Well, do you think home court advantage is going to even play a factor in this last game, possibly two games if it goes to seven cuz the the Celtics are favored on um, minus 165, yeah. Warriors are plus 145 on BetUS, and a lot of people are giving the the Boston Celtics the edge in any spread that you look at. So, mm-hmm. but I have confidence that the Warriors are going to close this out in six. I've been saying Warriors in six since before the series started, and I think that's what's going to happen on third, yeah, they play Thursday. So I I think the Warriors are going to end it on the road. Some people think home court advantage is going to play a factor in both game six and game seven if it gets to that. I think the Warriors are just going to cap it off on the road.
0: Home court advantage in this series has not mattered. I think Boston has really dictated how this series is going to go, and it depends on which Boston team shows up. If Boston comes around and they have 18 turnovers by the end of the night, they lost. If they don't turn the ball over, they won. It's really getting that simple with the with the Celtics at this point, bro. If you do not turn the ball over, you dictate this series, bro. Your players, your defense, you have the best defense. You have the playmakers. It's really on you. Don't turn the fucking ball over. It's really that simple. So if they have like 12 turnovers, they win. If they have 18, they lost. Because it, it, it's going to come down to the end of the game, bro. That's how close and that's how slow the, the game gets in the playoffs, that those turnovers will kill you, bro. They will kill you.
1: And it doesn't even matter that the Celtics out rebound the Warriors because they, exactly. they have they had damn near 10 more rebounds than exactly. them throughout the entire <laughs> game. It's just the fact that, like you said, the, the turnovers and the points off of the turnovers like that that plays a huge factor. So I, I agree. I I don't know. I just feel like the Warriors, they 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 got this series, it's theirs to lose. I don't really care about home court advantage. Like you said, I don't think it's been much of a factor throughout this series, but uh, I I see it ending on
0: Thursday. But this is what I will say about game six. Scott Fisher, uh Scott Fisher, was it Scott Fisher? I think it's Scott Fisher. Yeah. He is going to be the referee for this game. And throughout the entire playoffs, they are 13 and old to this point when he refs. But you are going against Game Six Clay. So game six Clay versus Scott Fisher refing is going to be a good battle to see also in that game to throw in the turnovers and all that. I think the, the Celtics push it to seven. I think the Celtics push it to the seven and the Warriors win in seven. I'm going to stick with my Warriors in seven Mm. prediction. Um, I think Tatum improves with the turnovers. And it's not just the turnovers with Tatum. It's just, I just hate saying it over and over each week, bro. But it's just like, the ways he just goes up and down with the aggressiveness just does not make sense to me bro it's not like he just has to continue to shoot but just aggressiveness in terms of attacking your matchup bro when you get a switch with Steph attack attack you don't have to just oh settle for threes because we're just seeing him settle way too much this series he's shooting us good percentage from three but everywhere else on the court he's shooting not good like, you have to get to your spots, bro. You have to attack your matchup. If you have a small, you have to attack. Tatum, you're fucking 6'10", bro. And you're going up against the smalls of the Warriors. They cannot beat you with size. You are bigger than them. The whole Celtics team is bigger than the Warriors. Like, why are y'all not using that to y'all advantages A one key question that I have for this whole team? Use that. Like, Horford standing in the corner when he's getting guarded by uh, Gary Payton or by Jordan Poole bugs the fuck out of me. Because they can give the ball to Horford in the par- the in the post and get points, but they're just not taking advantage of matchups. Goes back to the intangibles that you, they don't. They just not. They're not attacking the matchup like they should. Like the Warriors are doing on the other end. When Wiggins sees uh, Derrick White Jr., he's attacking him every time, bro. When right. he sees somebody that he can attack, he's attacking every time. When Tatum has a mismatch, when Brown has a mismatch, they're not attacking every time. And that's where we're seeing them get into this position. Bro. Well, I got them winning think, game six, though.
1: Do you think um, Coach Udoka needs to make an adjustment, or is this just strictly on the it's will on the of players, the
0: players? Bro. It's on the players, bro. It's like I feel like they're being told these things because they've made ju- adjustments throughout this series, whether right. that's Tatum passing the ball earlier to get shooters open. And that's how we're seeing the Celtics get up 2 1 but it comes down to the players on the court bro you've seen these looks by these teams already you played the heat you played the warriors you already know what you're going to see by teams whether it's overhelping whether they trap you whether they blitz you it's on you to make the right play bro it's on you to continuously be aggressive and it's on the players i think to get in certain positions where they should be attacking matchups yeah, you Dogo should be saying it to him, but this gets to the point where you're in the finals, bro. It should already be like, all right, I see a mismatch, I'm attacking. All right, Horford, yeah. you're getting guarded by Poole. Please post him up and stop saying that three-point line. Like, those are the type of things that I have to start seeing. But they're gonna win game six. They are. But and one thing six, you
1: one know. thing you were right about that uh that clearly hasn't come to my point yet of Draymond not needing to be as offensively effective. <laughs> but i i think they do still play better when he can knock down shots but he is that player that just literally doesn't have to do much of anything when it comes to the offensive side but i think the the amount of assists he can create and the way he could just help spread the floor i think that matters too offensively so even if i was wrong about um him not scoring as much i think they still need a strong offensive presence from Draymond. Even if Andrew Wiggins is the one um, driving to the bucket, even if Gary Payton is the one in the corner, Draymond is a huge facilitator, and I feel like his offensive presence just needs to be on 10, the same way we expect Steph and Clay's offensive presence to be on 10. Whether that means he has 18 to possibly 20 points, or if he has five points.
0: Like I said, bro, Draymond is not needed to score. I agree that he's the point guard of this team. So you need him to be aggressive on that end. Like, we've seen a couple of fake handoffs where Draymond got a couple of dunks. Yes. Like, that's the type of aggressiveness that you have to see out of Draymond. But for y'all to be thinking, like, oh, Draymond got to start shooting more. Like, when is the last time you've seen Draymond hit a shot? Period. Like, I don't want Draymond to shoot the ball, but he just has to be aggressive in those sort of actions, bro. And just play Draymond's game. Too many times early in the finals, he was getting attacked at points by Brown, by Tatum, where you just didn't see players ever attack Draymond like this. But they were getting the best of him on the defensive side of the ball as well. So that's why I said he has to raise the intensity on that end. Because Steph and Clay were scoring enough points to keep up with them, but he was getting attacked and you're not giving them nothing on offense. It's like you're an overall liability at this point. But now we're seeing the defensive impact go up. And we're seeing him average like nine assists over the past couple of games, eight rebounds. So now we're seeing more Draymond Green type of games. And one adjustment that I got to give Steve Kerr a lot of credit for was the end of game four when he ended up taking out Draymond and inputting Kevon Looney when Draymond was not playing well. That's one of the biggest changes of this whole series. And I think that shifted everything with this series, bro. The the, the Celtics would have been up 3-1 if Steve Kerr wasn't bold enough to take Draymond out. Somebody that he won championships with. He took him out with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter in game four. That changed the entire game. Because they were not guarding Draymond. They were roaming off of him. They're not even guarding him at all. They were
1: giving him, like, 17 feet. They were giving him all of
0: that. And you're not giving me anything on on defense because it's like they're attacking you on that end, too. So it's like we can't even play you. They put in Kayvon Looney. Everything starts to flow. With Steph, Clay's hitting more shots. You have more space on the floor. And now you see everything flow without Draymond. It's like, that was one hell of a move by Steve Kerr, bro. That was smart as hell. And I think that's something that the the, the Heat should have looked more into when they were playing the Celtics, too, because they were doing the same thing with uh, P.J. Tucker. They were not guarding P.J. Tucker. They were roaming off of him with Robert Williams and all that shit. So that's a smart-ass adjustment, bro. So I got to give Steve Kerr a lot of credit for that. And moving on to Andrew Wiggins' Finals MVP. So Andrew Wiggins had a huge game where he put up 26 and. 10 was it 26 and 10 in this game
1: five,
0: uh, 26 13 and 2. 26 13 and 2. And now Andrew Wiggins is the finals MVP, is a lot of people's minds. They say, <laughs> Oh, he, he is the guy. Oh, we got to give him finals MVP. And the thing is, Wiggins has been the second best warrior, hands down. The, the, the way he has been guarding Jason Tatum when he's gone against him, the way he's been so consistent. On that uh, offensive side of the ball, he has been the second-best player. But the Finals MVP talk getting way too wild for my liking. Nah, that nah. shit getting way too wild for my liking. Y'all see Steph carried him in Game 4? And y'all still saying that this nigga Wiggins should win Finals MVP? That shit is nuts, bro. That shit is nuts.
1: They, they trying to do some Andre Igadala type stuff, and I don't like it. <laughs> but uh, I, I think Steph Curry is clearly still the Finals MVP if the Warriors win. If the Celtics win, uh, the hugest argument they have is Jalen Brown. But I think if the Warriors win, it's, it's clearly Steph Curry. No question. Because even in their losses, like you said, he's been putting up historic playoff, historic finals numbers. So it, it has to go to Steph.
0: And once again, going back to the change of schemes, like it's the way that Steph is being guarded. The reason is the reason that everybody was eating in game five. So it's still his gravity, even when he doesn't have a good game, per se, his gravity created everything on the court. It created driving lanes for Wiggins. It created driving lanes for Poole. You know what I'm saying? So that shit just changes the whole game, even when he doesn't shoot the ball well. So I still got to give him a finals MVP. If the Warriors win, period. Then he and has it's the fact MVP. that when Steph
1: goes 0 for 6, 0 for 7 from 3, anybody else in the NBA – you're backing off. You're like, okay, they're clearly cold. But the Celtics did a great job of still just staying on him because when that switch turns on, with Steph Curry, it's not cutting off. So They didn't didn't care if he was 0 for 6, 0 for 7. They're like, no, stay on him because the moment he hits one, it's over. Like, he's going back to back from that point. So I give the Celtics a lot of credit for keeping the foot on the in that instance with Steph Curry and not letting him get any threes off. They, they may have had, like, one or two instances where they just let him shoot um, just because he was off. But for the most part, they, they stayed on him.
0: And this is something I wanted to say about the 2015 Finals, bro, because I was wrong, bro. I think I said last week that Steph Curry should have won Finals MVP in 2015. I was wrong. Andre Iguodala, rightfully so, won Finals MVP. Because I recently looked back at the stats from LeBron James in 2015. Did he put up monster stats? Yes. I'm gonna tell you LeBron James' averages, actually. LeBron James averaged, what did he average? I'm sure he averaged 39. He averaged 36, 13, and nine. But I want to tell you his percentages. He shot 39% from the field and 31% from the three point line in those finals in those six games. That was in huge part to Andre Iguodala. And Iguodala was giving you the points on the other end too and was hitting clutch shots throughout those finals that a lot of people forget. So I think a lot of people say that, yeah, Steph was robbed because they look at his stat line. His stat line is clearly better than Andre Iguodala's. But the type of defense that he was playing on, Bron was different. Yeah, Bron was putting up major nights because he had no Kyrie and no love. But holding LeBron James to 39%, one of the most efficient players ever, to 39% in the finals, and holding him to 31% from three? Nah, he deserved that finals MVP, because most of that was on him, bro. So I I think, I, I was wrong. He was. He deserved I it.
1: think from that aspect, yes, you can make a case for Andre Iguodala, but it was just meant for Steph, bro. It, it, it was just meant for him. I don't think he unanimously won MVP, the only unanimous winner in NBA history. He led that team throughout the entire playoffs, and in that finals, he had the best stat line. Did he have the best defensive presence when it came to guarding the best player or one of the other best players on the team? No, but if you're the leading scorer and the leading impact player, well, in your case, you can make a case for Andre being Iguodala being the most impactful player. But he has a case for the most impactful player on that team, and they win the series and you just won a unanimous MVP? Like, how do you not get finals MVP? MVP at that point?
0: I don't think it should have anything to do with the finals MVP. And we just have it, it, to It plays no. a factor,
1: bro. I get that's regular season, but it no, plays a factor. It no. plays a factor to a certain extent. I don't. That's like it. if you. That's like if you're defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, if you're player of the year, and you put on an amazing defensive presence in the finals. But they give it to Jalen Brown and Jalen, you have a better case than Jalen Brown. It's kind of like, damn, like, did that not play a factor in what we're doing? I get his regular season awards. Yeah, that's regular season I think in the mind, in the mind, though, it plays a factor in your decision making.
0: And that's why Andrew Wiggins has a case for sure. But you can't say, I can't just go off this one game and say Andrew Wiggins is getting finals. Oh, hell no. That's what y'all going. That's really what y'all going off of. Y'all seen this game and said, oh, Andrew Wiggins finals. Like, do y'all hate Steph? Like, did y'all not watch the first four games for y'all to be saying this? Like, he's the reason they won the first two games. And we
1: just had conversations a couple (laughs) weeks ago about, damn, Steph is really not in that room of Hall of Famers that have a Finals MVP but has multiple rings. Like, we were just feeling bad for Steph, and now people talk about Andrew Wiggins' Finals MVP. It's like, damn, we got a chance to give it to this man, and y'all want to give it to somebody else again.
0: That shit crazy. Yeah, I think this series is completely different. I think Steph has just thoroughly shown that he has been the best player on this on the on the court, period, honestly. And a lot of people were saying that, oh, Steph, he could he could be the finals MVP, whether they win or whether they lose. I that's another thing I really do not like. Because once again, going back to the 2015 finals, if you're not going to give it to Braun for winning two games. With no Kyrie and no love against that Warriors team, you cannot give it to Steph. You bro, can't give it to this,
1: anybody else.
0: You can't give it to anybody else, honestly. You can't win it. You nah, know, you can't give it to anybody else. Even LeBron <laughs> shot those percentages the way he dominated that whole entire series. I ain't trying to hit that shit, bro. I ain't trying to hit that shit because you cannot get that shit to anybody else, bro. After you're not going to give it to LeBron. Nah, we don't want to. <laughs> And you had a chance because you gave it to Iguodala. So shit, it ain't like I was about to say, if Dollar. Dollar it. I mean,
1: Bron was definitely in the race. Because
0: <laughs> when, yeah, when's the really last so, time yeah.
1: that um when's the last time somebody from the losing team won? It only happened one
0: team. time, and it happened in the '60s or '70s. It was Jerry West. Mm, so damn, damn, it. Yeah. Jerry got that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's that's never happening again, bro. That's never happening again. And imagine how you would feel as the opposing team if we won the ship. y'all giving the finals MVP to the other team? Nah, Bucko, I ain't rolling with that. Anyway, (laughs) It's going to be somebody on this team. We are the reason they won, period. So if the Celtics (laughs) were to win, because that's still a possibility. I hate that we're talking like they won the series already. If the Celtics were to win, I think Jason Tatum probably has the, maybe has the better stats right now, but I still would give it to Jalen Brown, truthfully. But it just depends on how these last two games turn out. If Tatum shows up like he's first-team nba and don't stand in the corner and don't play like he's not one of the best players in the NBA. It could be Tatum. But he has to get back to that. He has to get back into a, a rhythm. We haven't really seen that in this finals where it's like, okay, JT in a rhythm. Maybe in that third quarter in game 40. five, but that's it.
1: He got to drop 40. If he dropped 40 in game six at home and forces a game seven, and then at least drops 28 to 30 in game seven, he'll get finals MVP. But if he gives another night where he scores, Less than 27, 25 points, and he ain't really making that much of an impact with other people scoring and setting up plays. If it's another night like that, then it's just like, yeah, Jalen Brown, damn, they got you beat at that point. Tatum got to get 40 and make a statement.
0: Yeah, because like I said, he's probably put up the numbers, but he hasn't played well. If you're just going by eye test, he hasn't played well to me. Mm-hmm. He truthfully hasn't because they showed like his percentages from like the field. Like, I think in first game, he was three of 17, second game, he was eight of 19, and then in games three and games four, he was eight of 23, and then he was nine of 23. So just efficiency-wise, he's not shooting the ball well. Yes, he's going up against Wiggins some of the time, but a lot of these times, bro, he's getting the switch with Steph and just not attacking like he could be, not getting the playmaking assists like he could be. Like, I'm not saying that he has to ISO all the time, but just making the right plays and just not turning the ball over. Like, I seen a yeah. picture today where he was holding the basketball in, like, all of the interviews that he did today. It's the same thing with football. When your coach tell you, like, you know, have keep yeah. the ball in your hands so it's like you don't fumble. It's the same thing. I think Emil Udoka has been telling him, like, all right, bro, you're gonna keep the ball in your hands the whole day because you don't you can't do that turnover <laughs> shit in game six and game seven. Like, you need to be sure of that motherfucker. So I think he's gonna be good for game six.
1: And I tell people all the time, bro, you can have an ugly 27. Like, just because you got 25, 27 points, 10 assists, or whatever, you can have a very ugly 27. Like you said, you can shoot nine for 23 and still damn near touch 30. Just because you're damn near touching 30, that doesn't mean it has a positive impact on the team. So, yep. I, I totally agree. Efficiency plays a part in the points and the the stats that you get.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, anything else about the finals?
1: Uh, no, Thursday, June 16th at 9 p.m. in Boston, you guys. So, let's see if it ends with Golden State holding the trophy or they heading back to the Chase Center.
0: I, and another reason I think this, bro, is just the NBA in general. You gonna tell me the NBA is gonna turn down the Father's Day cheese, bro? The NBA finals game seven on Father's Day. Everybody gonna be home and Juneteenth. And (laughs) Juneteenth, Bro, It's no way. The NBA is going to rig this game six to go to Celtics play (laughs) so we can get a game seven. I promise you. It's no way the Celtics are losing game six. I promise you it's not. They want that game seven, bro. They want that game seven. I still think the Warriors are gonna win, but they want a game seven.
1: It, it depends on how dramatic the um the officiating is yeah, in game that too. six. If the officiating in game six really got you saying, I don't even want to watch this shit no more. Yeah. <laughs> They're rigging the game to go to game seven.
0: <laughs> Facts, facts. All right, moving on to the next thing is uh, NBA trade. So a trade has gone down tonight that Christian Wood has been traded to the Mavericks for the 26th pick in the NBA draft from the Rockets uh boba marjanovic and trey burke we was talking about the the mavericks not too long ago of what they needed to do to improve getting somebody uh, a big man at six ten who has size who theoretically could place uh some some good parts on defense seemed like a good trade for the mavericks how do you feel
1: i like it i know we were talking about um sat levine possibly going there but uh i like this christian wood trade i feel like you still um you still got the offensive presence of Luca being as efficient as it can be with a with a great rebounder in Christian Wood. Like his length and his size is going to be exactly what you need, and it's more efficient than a than a Porzingis would be in my in my opinion. I feel like it's it's a lot more things Christian Wood can do athletically that a Porzingis can't down in the paint and just spread in the wings. So I feel Luca has a great uh number two player at this point in Christian Wood, and they still got Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm sure. So they they got two scorers right there in Dinwiddie and Luca, and then you got that easy fifteen to seventeen point getter and easy in his sleep ten rebound getter in Christian
0: Wood. And you're playing with Luca too, so hey, it's easier baskets than when you were playing yeah. with the Rockets with no PJ. A lot of honestly. second
1: chance points. Don't be surprised do. if the if the Mavericks have a lot of second chance points next season.
0: I think this is a solid move for the Mavericks. I, I honestly do because you're not trading anything. You traded a late first round and two a uh, bench warmer. So I think that oh, yeah, was they, they won the for, trade for sure. Yeah, uh, be, they, they got the be better, be. better player. So I think this is a good trade. I think it's a, also a, a, a chance to get somebody who can give you some uh, some, post, some post points because mm-hmm. none of these players on the Mavericks give you that. It's nothing but threes or drives by Luca or by Brunson or by Denweed. I think they're looking for more of like a mid-range face-up type of game where you can just throw it to them and I can get an easy bucket. I don't really have to worry about it. And that's something that Christian Wood can give you. He's not going to give you that much defensively. I don't think he will close games for the uh, for the Mavericks. But I think he's somebody who can give you like fifteen to seventeen points, and who you can get the ball to, and say I am I'm, I'm sure he's going to give me a bucket from the, the mid range from the face up game. So I think it's a good trade because, like I said, you just didn't give up anything. And a lot of teams were looking to get him. I know Miami was in uh, talks to get him. Other teams who were contenders were in talks to get him. So to get him for something that was really nothing, honestly, was just a steal of the deal for the Mavericks, man. So definitely salute and moving on to the NFL we have Baker Mayfield to the Panthers
1: Yeah man so uh Sam Darnold has been in uh trade rumors when it comes to the Cleveland um Browns clearly Deshaun Watson is the starter now although We expect him to miss multiple games, possibly a whole season. But the question that the Browns have to answer is, what do we do with Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield clearly doesn't want to be there if he's not going to start. And there are other teams out there considering him now, Carolina Panthers being the main one so far. And with a quarterback like Sam Darnold, you would definitely choose a Baker Mayfield to make that unhealthy. healthy. And I think when playing at his best, Baker Mayfield is clearly – I think top 15, others will just argue top 20 quarterback in the league. So I think the Panthers, that'll be a steal for them. But a big question I have, I don't know if we'll um, talk about it later into the episode, is what happens to Cam Newton? Because he's still an unrestricted free agent right now. They haven't tried to negotiate any deal with him to at least be a backup on the Panthers still. So if you bring Baker... Do you just completely let Cam walk or do you sign him to be a backup to Baker Mayfield? So that's a big question I have in this Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield to the Panthers talk.
0: Uh, just start off with that Cam point. I think Cam is done, bro. I have seen enough last year and I'm, uh, I, he's still my favorite quarterback of all time, bro. But just seeing him in the last couple of years, I think that arm is just done, bro. I don't think he can do it anymore. Truthfully, you know what I'm saying? And I'm probably the biggest Cam Newton fan y'all going to hear from. So you feel me? So if I'm saying this shit, like, it's, it's real deal, bro. Like, I've seen enough. I've seen all them games last year when he was playing. It was either, like, an incomplete pass, it was a duck, or it was an interception. Like, it just didn't look good for Cam last season. Like, I don't want to hear that offseason shit, all of that bullshit. I think he had enough time to actually like, get ready this year, and he just wasn't, bro. Like, the arm is just not there. It's been too many surgeries, too many, too much wear and tear to be there. Could he be the backup? Maybe. But it's like, ugh, I think I honestly just think mentally Cam is, is done, truthfully. And going back to the Baker Mayfield point, I think Baker Mayfield would instantly be the best quarterback, like you said, on the Carolina Panthers, bro, easily. Like, everybody saying, like, oh, Sam Darnold, he still can give you something. We've seen enough from Sam. All yeah, the damn not for picks last year starter. Nah. Yeah, he's not a starter. Cam couldn't get the ball to anybody last year. The quarterback room for the Panthers last year was terrible. And they had playmakers on their team. If they had any semblance of a good quarterback last year, bro, the Panthers were in the fucking playoffs. They had a top five defense and they had playmakers. Even with Christian McCaffrey not playing, they still had enough playmakers. You had DJ Moore, you had Robbie Anderson, you had Terrence Marshall. You had playmakers and you're not using them because you can't get them the ball, bro. Getting somebody like Baker Mayfield in there is big. I don't care how y'all feel about Baker from this year. He was hurt, bro. Should he be traded from the Browns? For sure. But he's a good quarterback winning healthy. I'm not going to forget the first couple of years of Baker like he wasn't good. He was good. And that playoff season where he got them to the second round, that man was good. So I want that if I'm the Carolina Panthers on my team. Anybody to get the, my receivers and McCaffrey the ball, bro. Come on. like They need somebody, bro. And I'm not rocking with, with Cam and I'm not rocking with Darnold. Give me a quarterback that can get to the ball. I think Mayfield can do that.
1: I agree. And the, the Browns will do a great job in getting Sam Darnold because with the talent that the Browns have, I think as long as Sam Darnold just. Oh, are they, talking about, put in the foot. Yeah, they, they talking about swapping them? Yeah, they were talking about swapping. Like oh. from the, from the articles I was reading through ESPN, Bleacher Report, and, and other sites, they were talking about possibly doing a swap. I don't mm-hmm. know if there were any picks involved or anything, but a player swap for sure was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, from the rumors mm-hmm. I was seeing, so you get a great, not a great, you get a good backup if you're the Cleveland Browns and Sam Darnold to hold you over until Deshaun. And you Watson don't know gets if Deshaun started. is
0: going to play either, so and that's why exactly. I'm kind of like questioning the Browns' point of view. I understand Baker's point of view because it's like they already showed you that they wanted somebody else. But from the Browns' point of view, it's like you don't know what's going to happen with this design situation. He could be out a year or two with all of these allegations because I heard two more allegations were added to his cases, so that adds it up all the way to 26 now. You don't know if he's playing. Even if he does play this year, he's going to be suspended for a long, long time deep into the season. I feel like you should be better off keeping Baker this season especially they're not gonna keep uh, up in the air
1: but because bro that 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 relationship is none bro baker doesn't want to play if he knows no matter how well he plays he's getting bumped down he's getting bumped down to a bench position i think if you're the cleveland browns you got to be open to what anybody is telling you right now because the money that's sitting on baker mayfield you can't pay him or continue to pay him this money if you know he's not going to be the quarterback for you and you're waiting on your real quarterback to come back.
0: But you don't know when your real quarterback will come back.
1: I I think they will take the chance on just having somebody like a Sam Darnold for possibly a full season with decent enough um, playing skills that have Baker Mayfield messed up locker room. Because we don't know how the players feel about Baker since they know he damn near don't want to be there anymore. Do you really want to play with a quarterback that may be talented enough but clearly don't give a damn to be on the team? Or you rather get somebody that's like, hey, he ain't what we're looking for right now, but he's ready, he's hungry, and he's good enough to give us a half decent season. So I, I think they should be willing to take that sacrifice if they know Deshaun is coming at the end of the day.
0: So basically, you're telling me they're cool with just wasting a season. That's basically what you're Damn me. near. You
1: gotta be okay with that. You're cool with wasting be a there. season?
0: What you wasting Baker a season
1: Baker does not want to be there. I can't force a man to play that don't want to be here. I got to trade him. I got to trade him.
0: Because what I read about the design uh, contract, which was very interesting to me, is that he would only be getting $1 million from the Browns if he were to play this year, meaning that his contract is backloaded. So they expected something that would come of this, like the allegation would kind of bleed into the season. So he's only supposed to get 1 million this year. And it's like, damn, like you still could play Baker or somebody that's capable of winning you games. Because if you trade for Sam Darnold, he's not winning you shit, bro. Like I had to trade for Jimmy G or something. I ain't no way I'm trading for goddamn uh, Sam Darnold after what I just seen. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. I'm wasting the season for what? (laughs) <laughs> For what, bro? I don't
1: know. It's, it's, either, it's either waste the season with somebody that you ain't got to put that much money into or put money into somebody that you know doesn't want to be here and you're getting rid of eventually anyway. So it, it depends on what the Browns want to do. It's their is-
0: decision. Yeah, because he has one year left on his deal, so I'm not saying that he has to be your future, but just for the rest of this year. Like, Baker can just be your quarterback for this year and can leave in free agency in the offseason. Like, that could just be the situation. Like you said, it could be some other things going on behind closed doors, whether it's the locker room and shit. But if I'm the Browns, I wouldn't be too quick to make that deal, especially what's what's going on with Deshaun. If I'm the Browns fan base, I want to win games, especially with – the progression that you guys have been on where it was the playoffs, even though you took a step back this year, you guys are still talented enough to be in that playoff conversation and type, you know what I'm saying, type B contenders. So I wouldn't be so quick. But if I'm the Panthers, I make that deal in the heart because he's better than anybody y'all have in y'all wrestling yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm making that deal in a hot second, bro. I don't care how y'all feel about Baker. He better than all y'all. <laughs> he better than all <laughs> them <No>. niggas, bro. <laughs> he better than all of them. All right, moving on to the next topic. We have some college football talk. UCF, Houston, Cincinnati will all join the Big 12 in the summer of 2023. It is now official. It was in the talks that they were going to leave the AAC, but now it is official. It's going to be official in 2023. How big do you think this news is for these group of five schools to now be power fives going to the Big 12?
1: This is a big deal because these three schools have proven that they could play on that level. Cincinnati has proven win or lose. They could play against the Georgia. They could play against the Michigan and at least keep the game entertaining. UCF, UCF had a couple of seasons not too long ago in the, in the past four or five years where they went undefeated twice. They lost to LSU, but they put up a good fight against LSU and they've been showing they can win at least 10 to 11 games each season with a, with at least four to five complicated games. Houston, Houston is going into another program that it's like, hey, they could at least put up the fight. Even if they may not necessarily go to the playoffs or even be in the playoff hunt, they could be a top 25 team consistently. So these three teams, I'm excited to see. I think these are three good selections. And the Big 12 is a good place to put them in. It's not like these teams are going to the SEC where it's like, damn, they fighting for the fifth or sixth spot. (laughs) The Big 12 is a location where outside of Oklahoma – not even gonna lie to you, you you got it. Like you you have anywhere between the second and um fourth spot for any of these three teams. Texas, eh, Texas is up and down. One year Texas got a chance. The next season Texas is. They always ass got over.
0: talent. They never put it together. Yeah, bro. So
1: UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, I'm excited for. I think they can make a big impact in the Big Twelve immediately
0: especially damn Cincinnati. I think this could be a huge jump for them, bro. Cause they've always had good teams, but just never got the recognition because they were in the AAC, even though they're losing like a lot of players off of that damn final. What was that? Uh, CFP uh, college football playoff team. I think they're yeah. still going to reg- regain a lot of talent because of what the players have now seen oh, they are capable of doing this at this program. And I think the coach ended up staying there too, so he's going to keep that shit rolling. And they're the only team, or they're going to be the only team in that conference that plays defense, that plays actual defense. Nobody else in the Big 12 plays defense, bro. Texas, Oklahoma, TCU, all them boys care about is offense. You got a team that can actually defend, and they can get some points on the other end too. This is the team, Cincinnati, that I'm most worried about in the Big 12 because they're going to cause damage. UCF, like you said, they had a couple of years. They've been up and down since. Houston, and really haven't heard about them since Ed Oliver days. But Cincinnati is the team where I'm like, they're going to cause damage instantly once they step into that Big 12. So that's going to be some huge shit in 2023. Right. Because now they don't have to go undefeated. Or probably in the Big 12, you always had to go undefeated because it's such a weak-ass yeah. conference. But they still have the recognition, way, way more eyeballs on them now than playing in the American Conference where you're not really playing anybody. In the Big 12, you're going to play teams. You're going to play Oklahoma. You're going to play Texas. So that at least is on your favor now. and They don't have that excuse against you. And something else along with this storyline is that with these teams coming, that also means some teams are leaving Texas and Oklahoma, they're leaving. I forgot that they're leaving. Oh yeah, Oklahoma. Damn, they're going to the SEC. Damn. So they ain't even playing against Texas. Oh Oh, I take back all that shit. I forgot
1: about that. I take back all that shit. I forgot about that. (laughs) Because
0: it's basically gonna be like the AAC (laughs) now.
1: Damn, them boys are going to the SEC. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I remember. I, yeah. Texas is going to die in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma, they, they have a chance for sure. But Texas, I ain't too thrilled about. Texas got to show me before I believe it. But that's, that's yeah, the, the Big 12 is damn near the AAC at this point.
0: That's one. what I said. Like, if without Texas and Oklahoma, y'all, basically well, the they still got
1: outside. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is okay. straight. Oklahoma State, oh, Oklahoma usually State top 10.
0: So yeah, I'll give them that. So, I'll give them that. West Virginia sometimes, yeah. i give them that. You can take out a couple of teams, but this shit basically the AAC, bro.
1: No, nothing and nothing that I'm scared of for Cincinnati. Yeah,
0: like from Cincinnati, it's like, damn, we're getting an upgrade a conference, but honestly, the talent jump isn't that big of a difference, really.
1: right? All right, yeah, because the people who are and, talented just left.
0: <laughs> literally. <laughs> damn, yeah. Moving on to social media wants to know. We got the Omarion versus Mario versus. So I'm hearing that this shit is going to come up soon and that they're reportedly talking about this. And I just wanted to know out of Omarion and out of Mario, bro, who went in that? Omarion. Easily, ain't it? I don't yeah. even think it's that hard of a decision, bro. I honestly <laughs> don't. <is> not. <laughs>
1: it's not that this, hard. this is one of those verses I just, I, I double tapped and then I, I just kept swiping. Yeah, <laughs>
0: bro. Cause if you let Omarion get his B2K hits off too, it's like this shit ain't even close. Even with just Omarion by himself as a solo, it was still better than Mario. Mario probably gonna have five banger hits. After that, it's like, all right, bro. But this is the point I wanted to break up with this, like with shortening the list of like songs you can really have. Because I yeah. think I think a Mario could probably give you like fifteen strong ones if you add in B Two K. But Mario. What is he playing after, like how could I breathe? After Let Me Love You after I say, after Let, let Me hair, Love
1: You, I'm not listening. I, I don't <laughs> like, care what anymore. is he playing
0: after that, bro? <laughs> we gotta string the list for certain people, bro. If there was a one-hit wonder, let it be a one-hit wonder versus where it's like multiple <laughs> people going on the same day, where it's like vanilla ice versus whoever the fuck, and somebody else versus whoever but like all one-hit wonders go on one day. If you have five strong hits, the people who have five strong hits go against each other. So, like, Mario is a good example. Like, he doesn't have 15 to 20 to give you? He has, like, five. After that, it's like, what is he giving me? Just a friend? Like, come on, bro. After those, <laughs> he's not giving me anything. It's just tough to say. I fuck with Mario, but Mariana is, is definitely wiping the floor with that man. He really is. Thanks. And moving on to entertainment and current events. Uh, First thing I wanted to talk about was this interesting deal that I recently uh, heard about was lethal shooter who is a basketball trainer he was a pro turn trainer and he trains a lot of people on uh shooting to become better shooters and he just recently got a jordan brand shoe deal and it is the first deal of its kind it is the first trainer shoe deal ever and we never see anything like this and that was something so eye-opening to me because like are we going to see more of this down the line we know that he has a big social media platform I think he has almost 2 million followers on Instagram. So with so many people blowing up on Instagram being trainers now, being legit trainers, do you think this will become more of a thing?
1: It depends. I don't think it's going to be a big thing to where we see several trainers getting deals like this. But if you have the impact that Lethal Shooter has had, because Lethal Shooter isn't just out here coaching some of the best basketball players we've seen. He's coaching Drake. 21 Savage, he's coaching actors, he's coaching all these well-known entertainers to where it's like, damn, he's touching the celebrity world on top of the athlete world. So I think that's what gave him that extra nudge on top of doing some of the videos that he does. Like, he'll do viral, complicated with ass knives stops. on the
0: rim. Yeah,
1: <laughs> knives and moving baskets. So the, the way he can sell himself along with coaching celebrities and athletes He's just a, a triple threat that we haven't seen before when it comes to trainers who post their own content. So I don't think we're going to get that many of him, but I, I can see another person later down the line doing the same thing.
0: I think it's only, I think this is going to be a one of a kind deal. I don't think we're going to see a lot of people dip into this. Like a lot of things Edgar brought up he was right on him touching the social media, People, the social media entertainers, a lot of the, the rappers, I think was a big part in this deal. If he just was talking to or training the, the basketball players, I don't think it's the same thing. Because I know a lot of basketball trainers who t- touch the, t- the best players in the game and they're not getting these type of deals. But it's the fact that he's really selling himself and getting out there why he got this deal. Like I've seen him in commercials. He was just mm-hmm. in the recent movie Hustle with um Juan Hernan Gomez, Anthony Edwards, like so many big time people were in that movie, and he was in that. He probably was um, networking and getting more people to be on his social media site. So, lethal shooter is going to be one of the big ones when we talk about like, yeah, for sure to, the trainer. So definitely shout out to lethal shooter. All right, next one we have is Ohio allows armed school employees.
1: Uh, yes. So after the recent spike in mass shootings across the U.S., Ohio Governor. Uh, Mike DeWine approves a bill that will allow school employees to be armed. It's called Bill 99. This law requires up to 24 hours of training and eight hours of annual training. And these sessions must be approved by the Ohio School Safety Center to permit employees to carry. So Ohio, I believe, is the first state to actually make this legal. I think there's a couple other states who are trying to pass the same bill as well. But this Bill 99... It's what we've been saying doesn't need to happen this whole time of teachers getting armed. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to send my eight year old to school and their teacher got a gun. I, I, in class, like you, what, what you have personally in your car or at your home, that's your business. But having a gun in the classroom with my student and with my child and other children, I just don't like the idea of it. And no matter how much you train these people, anybody can snap on any given day you can go through all the protocols you can get trained this that and the third what if you get a model teacher who's like this is one of the best teachers we got they got a gun they're fine and their brain goes i want to do some crazy shit today like what if that happens what do we do at that point so i i don't like this um bill i don't think it'll go well so i don't want to predict that something negative is going to happen but i won't be surprised
0: and this shows you a lot about the government, bro, just by showing you that they're putting more guns out there or arming more people than taking the guns away and making it harder for you to get guns and having more of these mass shootings happen. Like, why is this happening? And we haven't heard anything regarding like the, the background checks for gun violence. You know what I'm saying? And just having less guns so we can know your background before we give you one. But we're hearing we're, like we're already passing a law to arm more people. Like that shit just doesn't make any sense, bro. It really doesn't. Just going back to your example of like the teacher not having a bad day, but just I didn't. I don't want to trust a teacher whose path is to be a teacher to have a gun. Like if somebody walks in, she's not really trained. She really doesn't. She doesn't do this on a regular. Even if you give her the training, she's not ready to do this shit when they're really in action, bro. If some shit really happens and a shooter comes in, you don't know how she will react to that. You don't know what can happen in that type of moment, bro. So that's why I don't want guns to be around in the first place. Take the guns away from these mass shooters. Make it harder for them to get the guns than just adding on to it with the arming school employees. A lot of these SRO employees, a lot of the security that works at the schools, they're past military military officers. They possibly could have PTSD. You arming them with real guns. It's like, bro, you don't know what can happen. PTSD shit kick in. It's like, we are giving y'all the worst case scenario, but we just giving y'all possibilities of what can happen and how this shit can go wrong, bro. This is not the way to lessen the issue. You're just adding more fuel to the fire, honestly, bro. This shit is not helping anything.
1: Because like you said, these teachers have to be willing and ready to be on go whenever the situation occurs. Like, for example, my dad tried to make me be a lifeguard so damn bad. I did not want to be a lifeguard, bro. Like, I I don't want to be responsible for saving lives. And being a lifeguard, bro, you you have to have that mentality of this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be able to save somebody. I can swim like a fish. I ain't got no problem. I can help people stay afloat, you know, while I'm swimming. But to sit here and say I want to be somebody who can be trained to the point to where I'm voluntarily jumping in the water to save lives. That's not what I want to do. Same thing with being a fireman, being a policeman. You know the risk of the job that you're taking. People can die, people can get injured, and you're responsible for these people and getting them to a safer um, solution. I know I ain't want to do that. So I had to tell him, like, no, I don't want to be no lifeguard. Like, I'm not trying to save lives. If you ain't hungry to do that shit, you're not going to do well with it. So same thing with teachers. Yeah, you may have one or two teachers that are like, yeah, I've trained with guns my whole life. I'm always ready. But how many teachers for real are like that? And the fact that there are more women, there are more women teachers than men teachers, not saying women gun range or don't train, but how many women teachers across the US are like really out here in the field like that, just ready to shoot somebody on command. So I, I agree with you. I feel like arming these people who this shouldn't even be in their job description. Bruh. Like, it, that's just not, nah, bro. No, And you ain't
0: paying them shit. It's like, damn, you had a gun oh, to not the road, And much. they ain't getting paid. And they ain't getting paid. they gotta shit. be willing to kill. Like, oh, no. at this point. You give them oh, niggas no. a gun, they might off their self. Like, bruh. I'm getting 30000
1: a year? Yeah. And you want me to kill somebody on top of that if I got to? Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: no. no. Nah,
0: bro. bucko. Nah. I'm cool. (laughs) I'm cool. And going back to your point, bro, it's it's such a difference between like being like getting trained on something and actually being like in the field when some shit actually happens. Like going back to your example of being a lifeguard. It's a difference between, oh yeah, I get trained on being a lifeguard. But when some shit actually happens, are you ready to react to it then and kick your training in for the shit to happen? Just because you were trained on it, don't I mean you are ready to do it in the, the the field. You feel what I'm saying? And it's the same thing with shooting a gun. Just because I'm being trained on it and shit, don't mean I'm gonna be ready for the real thing to happen. You know, that's a different feel when something is really going Especially on. In when front I of know me. the
1: other person got a gun. Exactly, He's a gun in mine. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm ready for the person who who got a who got a nightstick running at me. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can see this person. But the person walking in with an AR-15 with automatic spray and I got oh, this this God. Desert Eagle shooting one shot at a time, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that bit, dog. I don't know.
0: Because you know they ain't going to be training them on that. They not going to train exactly. like a, no real shit where a nigga come in with an AR-15 and you got to be ready to pop them. Like, nah, they, that training ain't going to be like that. It's not going to be like the real deal. Like, it really is for a lot of these schools that we've been seeing with these mass shootings, bro. So, I don't know where we're going as a country, bro, but the shit looks downhill, especially these oh, gas oh. prices going up and bullshit like that
1: i hope too many um i hope there aren't too many more states that uh that allow this bill to pass i'm surprised we even had one well i ain't surprised the way shit been going but i'm just surprised that it that it came to fruition for real it just feels so surreal so yeah yeah
0: yeah like i said bro i don't know where society going gas about to hit six dollars bro mass shootings every other week bro like we are going downhill in the United States, bro. We're not going up, bro. Stock market is like in the garbage right now. Like, damn, bro. We and just somebody we're alive.
1: People keep asking on Twitter, bro. Do we need another shutdown? Do we need another, you know, stoppage of everything? I don't think that's gonna happen just because these corporate but what companies would it help? and the government, like they, they're not gonna let that shit happen again. Like mm-hmm. the way the world really just stopped for a matter of months. Yeah. And how much shit was on back order, how much stuff had to get restarted and like catch up to itself with these businesses. Businesses are not going to be fully caught up from the from the dip that they took in COVID until like another two, three years from now. Like it one month, not even a full year for real, because we was back doing shit damn near in 2021. Mm-hmm. So seven to 10 months of not doing shit is going to cost us two to three years minimum to get back on track. And I don't know if the government, I don't know if these corporations are gonna want to take a a standstill like that ever again.
0: And what would it help? I don't understand what a, a a shutdown would help. We only did a shutdown because of the COVID shit. We wasn't really doing the shutdown because of like the businesses.
1: I think people were just saying that just for the fact of, like you said, it's a mass shooting damn near every week, every other day. Mm. Gas prices are going up, so people ain't even trying to travel for real anyway. People are really trying to work from home again until gas go down. So those two big reasons right there are why people like, maybe we just need to calm the fuck down and everybody just go back inside for X amount of time.
0: But the thing about gas, bro. Like they're trying to push us towards uh, the electric vehicle. So I don't think gas is going to go down for a long ass time. Like it might stay like this. I'm starting to hear like it could stay in like that four. well, we stay in Florida. So this currently like 491 right now. So I'm hearing like, it's going to yeah. stay around like that 470 range. It's going to hit six and it's going to bounce back down to like 470. And that's going to be like the regular gas price type shit. So I don't even think we can honestly shut down and come out to a better world. Like it's going to be the same shit. If you, if you shut down everything to try to stop mass shootings, like you're just making these niggas more crazier on the inside to be even more wild when we open the city back up, or open the state back up. So I just I just don't know what it helped. I understood back yeah. then because COVID was going crazy, but since COVID slowing down, it's like, I don't know if they're going to do that shutdown shit again. I doubt it. And moving on to the next conversation, we got Jennifer Hudson is the second black woman to win a Grammy Emmy Tony and an Oscar.
1: Yeah, so uh other than Whoopi Goldberg, she is like you said, the only uh woman to do this in history. Well, second black woman in Whoopi history. Goldberg to
0: do this. makes
1: music. Uh, uh, I don't know if she was actually making music or if she, she produced. Got a Whoopi Goldberg is the only other black woman to do this, so oh, I don't know. If she, she made music. I don't know. If she I don't know. If she made a song or if she helped produce or something like that. But uh, the Emmy that Jennifer Hudson has is for Baba Yaga, which is a daytime program. Uh, she won a Grammy in 2009 for Best R&B Album. She won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in Dreamgirls. And she won a Tony for a musical called A Strange Loop, which came out this year. So Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. She's one of the very few entertainers in general, not even just women or just black women, to have crossed this threshold. So the question I wanted to pose was, where is she one of the greatest entertainers of all time if we really sit here and look at it? Because it's like not too many people can say they got all of these awards, all four of these awards. It's damn near just hard as hell just getting one of these. So to say you got four of them, that's elite company, and we haven't talked about Jennifer Hudson outside of her music when it comes to her entertainment skills. So do you think she could be one of the 100 greatest entertainers of all time?
0: She's there now. I mean, when we talk about talent, bro. She she's up there, bro. I think when you talk about acting too, musically she's already up there too because of the vocal skills. But nobody has like the the range as her to like hold a conversation on daytime TV is hard as hell, and people take that for granted. But she does that well. Obviously, she got an Emmy for it. Like she has a Grammy. Already know she's certified in that department. But to act as well, everybody cannot transition from that music world into the acting realm and be just as good in both. But Jennifer right. Hudson is at the point where she is like, she's certified in all of these. So we've had that conversation last week like with Michael Jackson and um, Chris Battam, like the talent thing. It's like, when you just talk about overall range of talent for a female entertainer, she's probably the best. Who would we say, Beyonce? She's a better actress than Beyonce, I think so
1: it's like yeah so like
0: she's probably the best woman entertainer when you just talk about like this the these ranges these categories of like music and like entertaining and acting i think she's the best entertainer woman entertainer of this generation for sure
1: uh because diana ross she i think she did some acting too if i'm not uh, um, excuse me if i'm not mistaken so
0: yeah i'm not too but, updated on her I,
1: I don't know how many um I don't know how many awards she won with acting or anything, but I know a lot of people bring up Diana Ross when it comes to music and acting because back in her day, I'm I'm sure mm. she was guesting in a lot of shows or movies or whatever that we probably haven't seen. So yeah, but but Jennifer Hudson is definitely up there as far as who we know and who we've seen and what catalogs we know. I think Jennifer Hudson is easily one of the one most one of the most one hundred greatest entertainers of all time.
0: So I looked up that Whoopi Goldberg thing. Whoopi Goldberg got that Grammy for a comedy. It was a comedy recording. And that's why she got the Grammy for. So I'm like, I know she ain't made no music now. Nah. So it was, a, it was a comedy recording. That's how she got the Grammy. And we know all of the work that she's done on The View. She's had other daytime shows before this. And we know the acting work from, uh, what was that, Sister Nun? Or what's that one with Jenner? Uh, Whoopi oh, Goldberg. Uh, Sister Act. Sister Act, Sister Act one and two. I think she got some Oscars for that too. So, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is definitely satisfied. Oh, she was in oh, Ghost con- too. She was in Ghost Confession. with Patrick. Crazy.
1: I've, I think I've said this before. I've, I've never seen the entire Color Purple movie. Oh, me
0: neither. Me neither.
1: Yeah, yeah oh, she B- was in B- made it. At- be-
0: yeah, she was the lead, one of the lead characters. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even know, bro. I didn't even watch that shit either.
1: <laughs> BT made that shit like four hours, and I was like, Yeah, I'm not. This is the
0: movie I'm is. talking about. She won. She won for, for Ghost. She she was nominated for the color purple, but she won a uh Oscar for Ghost. That's the one with Patrick mm. Swayze and uh Demi yeah. Moore. That movie is fire too. So yeah, definitely shout out to the both of them. But I think she is the most talented. Entertainer of this generation for sure, bro. She is the most talented to me.
1: I, I don't know. Jamie up there too now. Jamie Fox.
0: Did I if say we talking men and women. okay? Uh, I ain't hear me.
1: you say women. Okay. I about to say Jamie up there. Jamie up there. Nah, oh, oh, Jamie. Man.
0: Jamie for sure up there. Jamie's for sure up there. So what we talking? We just saying like music and acting shit? Uh Nah, Jamie. No, nah, Jamie blew her out the water when it comes to that acting shit, though,
1: bro. I was about to Jamie say on was a different
0: it. level when we talk about that acting shit. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, she's great. She's great for sure. But Jamie, like I've never seen somebody embody somebody else to such a T. When I watched Ray, I real deal as a kid thought Jamie Fox was Ray growing up. I really thought it was that that type of level. You know, it was the same thing for um Lawrence Fishburne. How we all thought Lawrence Fishburne was um Ike Turner. It was I the same thing for me. I was like, damn. always, what's-?
1: yeah. I always thought if it wasn't for the first prince, I would have thought Will Smith was Muhammad Ali. I swear to God. Like- <laughs> and that's the same thing for
0: Ray, bro. Even though Ray came out like then two thousand and four, I didn't know what the hell Ray Charles looked like. So when I see yeah, him movie, I'm thinking this is him. <laughs> so yeah, like when I'm like, so he embodied him. And I lead reading up on Ray Charles' story. He he yeah. embodies him, and I think that's like his the, his quintessential role when you look out for Jamie. He killed that. Man, nobody's touching that man after that. After I seen your rank, that shit is definitely different for sure. And um, something else we got: Tiger Woods is officially a billionaire. So I ain't have anything for that. You got any comments on that?
1: Uh, I just want to give him his props. Uh, LeBron just touched a B a couple weeks ago. Now Tiger Woods touching a B. So I think Michael Jordan, LeBron, and Tiger Woods are the only athletes as of right now who are billionaires. So that that's a great. That's a great feat. Floyd ain't touching the beat. Who? Floyd. He's he's um he's generated over a billion dollars worth of money throughout his career, but he mm-hmm. does not currently he's not currently like valued at a billion dollars. Mm.
0: Damn!
1: But I the fact that bad. all three of these guys are are black men, bro, and in well two at least two different sports like that that's just crazy, bro. So, but Floyd is talking about buying a team though, so. He could be touching a bill soon or something like that. So I he unless they got the numbers wrong and they're just not counting Floyd as a billionaire. As far as I know, he's not a billionaire based off of what these sites are saying. So
0: mm-hmm. damn. But yeah, you can get a part of like um ownership groups, and that's how you can also buy the team. I think it's the same thing with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade ain't a billionaire or nothing, but he's a part of like an ownership group, and they get together, and that's how they buy yeah. teams and shit. And um yeah, so definitely shout out to Tiger Woods. I thought that white girl took all his money, so I'm surprised he still took all money. I thought she took all his money, so I'm like, damn, I did not know he was this close to being a billionaire. So he's, I wonder what he's still making money off of at this point. Like, because didn't they take away his sponsorship deals too?
1: I was about to say, I don't even remember.
0: I think Gatorade like ended up um, leaving him and shit like that. So I'm like, damn, is, how is he still making money at this point? Kind I don't of, know. Kind of,
1: maybe, maybe he I got, know. got some outside of sports money that
0: he began mm, so. yeah some yeah investments probably i don't know and we got uh little caesar's becomes the new pizza of the nfl i just want to say this about little caesar's bro they have been slept on for too long bro when i was in college <laughs> struggling where i was going across the street from fiu man i was going to little caesar's bro so i'm glad they get the recognition recognition that they deserve Fuck pizza hut I fuck with Little Caesars way more And uh Papa John's. I just don't want to say that about Little Caesars. Definitely shout. It's out.
1: crazy because years ago like when people really was like just getting on the Little Caesars, we've really seen Little Caesars grow. Into like Max. a corporate giant now. I remember when Little Caesars commercials was like ten seconds long. Like there was just a pizza little
0: drew you in. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there was only a like Little Caesars was just like a little hole in the wall pizza spot that you would go to with some like hearing the bird, hungry Howies. You know what I'm saying? Max, hungry Max, this, Max. This, this is the equivalent of Hungry Howies getting the NBA or something like that. You'd be like, <laughs> what? Like, so shout to Little Caesars. Like somebody, I forgot who said this on Twitter somebody finally out pizza the hut and that Facts. was funny as hell to me
0: thanks <laughs> <laughs> man definitely shot the little seasons bro because it's just gonna generate more revenue towards them because I, I i don't like this but they've been raising the prices a little bit everybody raising the prices but i don't like that about little seasons but hey i'm glad they're making more money they're doing well people are Actually recognizing Little Caesars way more, and like I said, they've they've come through for me so many times. So I'm glad to see the the success of them.
1: And, and Pizza know. Hut them fell off to of me. Bro. It I'm has, say, like the past ten years, I say Pizza Hut them fell the fuck off. Like bro, me and Titan used to eat Pizza Hut like crazy. The wings still straight, the boneless wings still straight, but the actual game. pizza, bro, you're just getting bread with sauce now. Like it don't feel like you're actually eating pizza for real, and you know your pizza is good when you can eat it the next day and that shit still low key hit for real. Pizza hut, if you don't eat it all that night, you're going to be eating stuff. <laughs> you're going to be eating bloated bread every shit. time you eat that pizza. <laughs> yeah. Man. Thanks, Bro. Yeah, hey, I, I, I had hope to turn we
0: don't. of that shit.
1: I hope we don't ever get in a situation where we're trying to pitch a deal to Pizza Hut. Because they do at
0: this shit and like, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> put this shit all the way to the back, cut this shit out. <laughs> I'm doing all this shit. I'm going to remember this episode. Episode 2 piece of Hut deal. <laughs> yeah, bro, but uh, I had to get my mom's off that shit. She used to be hooked to that Pizza Hut, bro. I was like, bro, you got to do that Papa John's. We've been on Papa John's yes. more so than anything, bro. But that Pizza Hut, I don't even do Domino's no more. Like, those two, don't no, even
1: Domino's do still straight. They're still straight. But I, yeah. I like Papa John's better, but Domino's, for sure.
0: Better. But Domino's, Domino's, they ain't fell off like Pizza Hut. They kind of fell off to me too, though, bro. It's hockey got something to do with the pricing, too. The price mm-hmm. would just be out of control with these. Yeah, places.
1: and the size of the pizza don't match. So like, yeah. oh, no, nah, bro. Like, y'all charging for a large, and I'm getting like, nah, bro. I'm getting like the eight slices. The, yeah, the, sli- the size be like eight slices, $12, 13 99 Like, what the hell? Like, what kind of like, shit Bro, is if
0: you go to Pizza Hut right now and get a large, it's going to cost you 17 Like, exactly, when they have no bro. specials anymore, Domino's is going to be, like, 15 If you go to Papa John's, they're going to give you that special for, like, $12. So I'm like, All I'm right. going to Papa John's every time. And they got better pizza. So, yeah, give me shot them. But definitely shot the Little Seasons, too. And moving on to t Mac's 1's Basketball League. So t Mac recently started up a basketball league a few weeks ago. And it is doing pretty well, I've been hearing. So his one's basketball league is basically a one-on-one tournament. He goes to different regions, whether it's New York, Chicago, uh, Texas, or Houston, or Dallas. He goes to all of these different places. And when you win your region, you get $10,000. And you also get a spot in the finals where you can, the grand prize is $250,000. So, Egan, I know you always brought up the point where at All-Star Weekend, we should be doing one-on-one tournament where we're could be seeing it a one-on-one tournament blow up in front of our eyes and become real popular yeah, real soon with t macs wins basketball.
1: League. I feel like the NBA should have been on this ball first. I ain't mad at T-MAC doing it. One of the best scores we've ever seen in the history of the game coming out with a um, one-on-one tournament like this. Well, one-on-one league, I should say like this, this is fire, bro. And I think this is where i seen that video on Twitter Where somebody was trash talking to t Matt, like t Matt wasn't like that for real. I don't know if you've seen that video, but it was a video of of dude had to be like our age, maybe a little bit younger. He was talking crazy to t Matt, Like he wasn't even like that for real. And I'm like, bro, do you know who you're talking to? 33, not 33 points, 13 points in like 33 seconds. Like we're talking about this guy, bro. Like one of the best scores we've seen, bro. So that that was just crazy as hell. But that may have been from from what you're talking about with the one-on-one league. But I think it's great. I think it's what we as basketball fans want. Because I've been seeing a lot of people question, do one-on-ones even really show you who's the better player? What the hell else are we playing one-on-one for? Like, <laughs> I thought that was the whole purpose of one-on-one when nobody else is on the court, me versus you, who really finna get the most buckets. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that T-Mac is doing this. Is giving the fans what they want when it comes to true competitiveness. And it's just something new that we don't usually see. That's why I wanted the NBA to do it so bad, bro, because whether the best players in the league do it or not, we're going to get to see bags from players that we usually don't get to see. Like, what if you got Spencer Dinwiddie versus damn Karis LeVert in a one-on-one or some shit? You know how fire something like that would be? Like, whether you know who's going to win or lose, like, just seeing stuff like that. Players we don't usually see or hear of often unless they have a crazy night playing one-on-one or what if you get the big names like Trey Young versus Ja Moran or some crazy stuff like that so shout out to T-Mac he's doing what the NBA was scared to do and I'm, I'm proud to see it
0: yeah bro so I think this shit gonna blow up bro like similar to the big three this is something that you can gravitate to but unlike the big three they're not going after Like former NBA players or former college stars, they're going after people that just love to play the game of basketball and are from the certain regions that they're going to and that just love the game. And I think that's more attractive, bro, because with that celebrity shit, it's like, all right, bro, you can kind of get tired of that. But who, people who just love the game and work on this shit all the time and don't get the credit that they deserve, they give you somebody to root for more so than the celebrity that you've seen before. It's like, okay, whatever. But you can have some people to root for when you have people like that are in the same situations as you. And now they're in this contest, can win $10,000 and possibly can win 250000 at the, the finals. Like that's some dope shit just to see in general. So that, I think that's a real dope concept for sure. Right. But shout out to T Mac, bro. Shout out to T Mac. And moving on to Past the Ox, man, what you got for Past the Ox song of the week? Damn, what I got for Past the Ox? i going to listening to a lot of music this mm. week, bro. Damn, damn, what I got for
1: Pass the Ox? Mmm, that's tough. I low-key been listening for the wait a little bit this week, so I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Hands Up, the the remix to Big Sean's My Last by Lil Wayne. I'm sorry for the wait.
0: And I got 7 O'Clock by Bryson Tiller, bro. I've been listening to a lot of B-Tills this week. And I've been listening to a lot of Larry June, too, but always listening to Larry June. But definitely Bryson Tiller, bro. Um, Moving on to movie and show reviews. Got some movie and show news. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, releases on Netflix toward the end of the year. They say holiday season time. Edgar, I know the knives out was one of your favorite movies. So how do you feel about this?
1: Oh, I'm excited, bro. I don't even know who to who to point the finger at for this one because last the last movie was such a turner. I thought the old lady committed the crime in the last movie. I was like, it's gonna be the old lady. She's been quiet as hell the whole time. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm I'm definitely excited for it. Uh, knives Out was is one of my favorite movies of all time, bro. Like that's a movie. That has tons of replay value. And I think the second one is going to deliver and be just as good. I don't know if it'll be better just because of how hard the first one hit. But I think it's going to be 1A, 1B um, type of stuff when it comes to grading the movie. I'm excited for it.
0: This is the thing about Knives Out, bro. I also fuck with the movie as well. But after reading so many Agatha Christie books, who was like a huge mystery writer back in like the late 1800s and early 1900s. And you're seeing a lot of movies that were like based on her books. I know you seen like death of the Nile that was on HBO mm. max. That was one of her books. And it was another one like uh orientation of the train or something like that. But after reading her books, the thing about her is that she doesn't give away or she doesn't have you rooting for anybody in her books. And I feel like in that Knives Out movie, they had somebody you had to root for. Like, you had to root for that one girl who ended up getting the money from the the dead guy, and everybody was, like, against her. So it's like, it felt like you were rooting for her throughout this whole movie when everybody should have been a suspect. I feel like when everybody, including the person that you are drawn toward, is a suspect, I feel like that makes a way better movie. But since we were rooting for her, I feel like that kind of took away the, the the mystery a little bit and so if they make everybody literally everybody a suspect i think that makes for a better movie because you just don't know what will happen like it could be like oh everybody's a part of this person dying or oh damn i really didn't expect this twist i feel like that could make for a better movie
1: well i think if they would have made the detective the main character in the um yeah. the first nine out then we would have got what you're talking about but the fact that they made her the main character had no choice but to root for her the whole time because like we're we're getting her perspective on damn near exactly as opposed to being the detective now in the second one if they do what you say with glass onion and it's the detective's point of view throughout the whole movie then we'll get a situation where we we really don't know who did what but if they give a different character the the main role again I think we're going to be in another situation where we're rooting for somebody. Yeah. And we can root for people even if we don't know who Exactly,
0: is. Exactly, so. You, I'm not saying you can't root for nobody, but it still should be the mystery like everybody's a suspect. You feel me? Yeah. And that's what Agatha Christie did. She had you in the perspective of the detective where you were looking into people like even though you were like, okay, maybe he isn't the one. You still couldn't be too sure about it because it's like, oh, damn, he could have been the one. That's why he's so quiet in the cut when everybody else yeah. is meeting or some shit like that. You feel me? So I think that would just be dope to get his perspective on everybody and not give us an insight to, like, the whole situation that we were seeing at the house. So I think it's going to be dope, though. I really do.
1: Because when um, I showed Denisha, um, we, we had watched that, like, about two months ago now she had never seen it i had showed her now like when i tell you she was into that shit the whole movie and she kept because denisha one of the people she gonna ask you questions throughout the movie i'm like i'm not telling you like i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna tell you what's happening and she was she she thought it was one person one moment and she was like no it could be this person yeah well everything's pointing to this Oh damn, why this person did like she was she was on her seat, the edge of her seat the whole movie, bro. And she's usually not like that when she watches movies, so she mm-hmm. loved
0: it. Yeah, that plot was at the end when we found out it was Chris Evans the whole time. I was like, That's fire, bro. That was some and fire I, fire I canceled him out because exactly. I'm like he,
1: he's the bad boy, like that that's too obvious. And it ended up being the obvious snake, but it, was, it was such it a different
0: way than what you would have thought because yeah. he switched the, the medicines and shit. It's yeah. like damn. <laughs> Yeah, that shit was dope. That shit was dope. And uh, moving on to the next news is Joker 2 is a musical. We talked about a little bit about this, but we got some more definitive news. Edgar, you kind of weirded out about it.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to feel, bro. Like, I don't get me wrong. I, I like the fact Lady Gaga is uh, supposed to be playing Harley Quinn. I think she's going to do a phenomenal job. If you haven't seen House of Gucci, I advise you all to see that movie. I thought that was a really good movie for 2021. Um, I think that was like one of the best movies last year so Lady Gaga is a certified actor I think she'll do an amazing job but the whole musical aspect of it I I don't know how this is gonna go a lot of people aren't feeling too good about it because they feel like if we were gonna a lot of people feel like the Joker movie should just been a standalone film and there shouldn't have been a follow-up but if you are gonna do a follow-up why the hell is it a musical so i I just don't know how this is gonna go like you were pointing out last week you don't know if Arthur Fleck is like where are they gonna pick up off of are they gonna pick up off of him leaving the hospital or something I don't I don't know how this is gonna go i'm I'm scared but I trust the production crew that they'll deliver like they did with the first one
0: and this is the thing like The thing that makes it so weird, but it draws me in because I didn't like the Harley Quinn news, even though it's Lady Gaga. and She's a good actress. We've seen the Harley Quinn. I talked about it last week, so I was kind of like upset at that. But when I seen it was a musical, I was intrigued because it's so many ways they can go with it. I've seen good musicals and I've seen bad musicals, and I think they can really hit with something like a Joker And we've never seen it before, so it'll be something so out of the box that it can honestly knock your socks off. I really think it can with Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga. But the thing is, the first one wasn't a musical. So it's going to confuse you from a continuity perspective. If you watch Joker 1 and then you watch Joker 2, it's like, why are they singing in this shit? When I just watched this one and they weren't singing at all. So I wish they would have just picked up with that shit from from the beginning of like, it's going to be a musical type thing. But obviously, they thought it was going to be a standalone, so they didn't even think that this was going to be a thing. But that's the only thing.
1: Because somebody who pissed me off, who made a musical that didn't make sense at the hell off, Dear White People. I, I made a musical? About, yeah, season four. Yeah, I think season four is a new one. It's a musical. <laughs> Every episode, these people are singing. Like, I bro, I did not finish season four, bro. I was so pissed. Because I waited like two to... Th- I waited three years. Like I waited like three years for season four. And y'all give me this shit? Like, it's not even... The songs weren't hitting. The storylines mm. just... And I think They that's were just key. trying too hard with the whole yeah. COVID situation. Like, they really uh, just made you... They made you very aware that COVID was the reason this shit took so long. And I didn't like that, bro. Like, the shit yeah. was just... No, season four was terrible.
0: And that's the thing about this. It has to hit... When it comes to the songs, bro, like even it doesn't matter who's singing the shit, but they gotta have a couple of bops on there that we walk away from, and it's like that was the Joker, but that nigga was getting off high key. So it gotta be a couple of songs like that. But I think it's gonna kaiki key resemble something like a Sweeney Todd. If you go back and if you go and watch that movie, I think you can see how they can go about something like a Joker 2 because Sweeney Todd is something of like an evil person, but he's doing the musical shit with like a sidekick. It just flows so well that I think they can do something similar with Joker 2 and we get something that really knocks our socks off. But like I said, just from a continuity perspective, it's just weird watching Joker 1 and Joker 2 as a musical. It's just like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> I think you yeah. would be confused from that point. So know. moving on, to... I, like I said, Joaquin okay.
1: Phoenix and Lady Gaga are gonna do phenomenal, but I don't, I don't know. The, the plot better be good as hell. That's all I know. <laughs> all
0: right, man. Moving on, Squid Game two is in the works. Ah, Edgar, do you think we need the Squid Games two?
1: It's not gonna be Squid Games. Like I don't, I don't under. I'm not gonna understand what it's gonna be about because other than the guy going back to the island to do whatever he's gonna do to you know tear down the squid game shit or whatever we're not gonna get what we want is to and that's to see another squid games for real i think that's what we truly want to do we
0: want
1: to see another squid games oh no i'm just speaking in a sense of if we got a squid games too like it would need to be exactly what the first one was like a game of torment for these random ass, but
0: we've people. just seen that. That's my point. But we just seen it though, so it's like, damn, it's we kind of know what to expect now. Mm-hmm. And the first I, one, we didn't know what to expect. We never played these games. It's like, damn, yeah. something different. It, it, really a, it really should have been a.
1: It really should have been a standalone thing. I'm excited for it in the sense of it's just so different because a lot of these Asian films, like they. There's a lot of underrated Asian films out there that don't cross over to America as well, like Squid Games. The the writer and director of Squid Games, he was trying to get this shit out for like 10 to 12 years, and Mm -hmm. we're just now getting it. So he's been pushing this for a decade plus, and now he's getting the fruits of his labor. And I think they're doing the second one just because it's like, now that we're on, we're going to keep the ball rolling. We're not just going to one and done this thing. So I don't blame them for doing that because it took them so long to get it out there. But I, I just don't, I don't know, other than the whole going back to tear down the Squid Game shit, what else are we getting? And that really? shit
0: don't even make sense because we seen in season one, it was an actor who was trying to tear down the games. It was the officer who ended up going into the Squid Games. He was trying to tear shit down. So it's like we already seen it from that perspective of somebody trying to tear it down. We seen him fall off the cliff. And
1: he seen his brother was He the seen char- his brother in
0: there. And we don't know if he's dead, so that's going to be another interesting plot point because I don't think he's dead, even though he got uh, pushed off the cliff. Mm-hmm. But we've seen somebody try to infiltrate that Squid Game shit and what happened to him or what we think happened to him. So I think we already seen that. And it didn't make sense from the perspective of you seeing what happened to everybody in the Squid Games, You even though you won, you see how many people died at the hands of this shit, why would you put yourself back in that position for you to die again? When you could have seen your fucking daughter, nigga, take your ass to damn Los Angeles or whatever the fuck she at. You turned around for what? You got red hair? This is like a whole new nigga we were sitting in the last couple of seconds. Man. I was like, who is this nigga? Go see your daughter, bro. That nigga was annoying the fuck out of me, bro. Oh, my <laughs> God. You find out everything you found out in that last episode, and you go back? You not stopping shit.
1: <laughs> and the crazy part was, bro, I never would have expected the old man to be... The head
0: I want to be the, that shit. I want to be. And,
1: and he he did it just just to do it. Like he came up yeah, he with that shit fun, just to yeah. do it. <laughs> like I was like, bro. But I like stuff like that because you know, as the saying goes from the Dark Knight, when Alfred was talking to Bruce, you know, when he was talking about the Joker, some men just want to watch the world burn. Like there's no logical reason behind why some people do certain things that they do. So I I get that aspect of it's an old guy. He was sick. And he just wanted to live life as fun as he could. So he started up this sick, twisted game that he made himself a part of. So I I just, I don't know. It was cool as hell, but it was like a damn, like, that's it.
0: (laughs) And it's funny because it was so voluntary. Like, and I think that's what kind of drew you in even more because these people were so desperate to the point that they came back twice. Like, they had the option to leave. They left. And they was like, our life, our life really is some shit. Like, let's go back yeah. and let's die and to really like see if we could get this money for real Like, And I think that's what drew you in as well. But all of that is high key gone because we've seen it. So you can't do the same exact thing or you can't show us in the same exact way because we've seen it in, yeah. in season one. So you have to switch it up in some kind of way. But I'm definitely interested to see how they go about it for sure. All right, and moving on to movie and show reviews that are upcoming.
1: Uh, Yeah, so we're reviewing Miss Marvel right now. We just did our episode two review, so that'll be out soon for you guys. Uh, I've finally seen everything everywhere all at once, so we can um, go over yeah. that. Classic I- World, Dominion, so we can do that one. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, that's coming out next month, so we just got a couple more weeks for that. And Avatar at the end of the year. But we got a bunch of Marvel shows in between that. I think we got yeah, a. We got
0: to do that too, though. That, uh, that that Avatar One
1: review. Oh yeah, yeah, the Avatar One review. That's right. That's right. So,
0: so we're gonna. I, I, we can do that next week. We can do a couple of
1: these. I I ain't even gotta watch it. I'm I'm just waiting on you to rewatch it. I know. No, no, no I've watched I watched <laughs> it. I watched
0: it. I watched it. I rewatched it. So I watched it a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for talking.
1: That that's one of the movies that is long as hell, but I I remember that movie vividly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I remember it. I remember it. <laughs> All right. And uh, that's it. But so you can hit up with the social media.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at QE Podcast One. You can follow us on Instagram at QANDE Podcast. You can follow and like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel at E Podcast. And our Gmail is QANDEPodcast at gmail.com.
0: Yes, and you can subscribe to all of our podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And you can subscribe to all of our Q and E Media pages, our qandemedia.com. Instagram is Q-A-N-D-E-Media and our Twitter is QE Media. And we appreciate you guys for listening and watching. And we out. Peace.